be reading from Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us and the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago we celebrated Christmas. Now, uh, but, but on, on that Christmas day, though, I wanted to tell you, I don't know if you're aware of it or if you're paying attention or if this interests you, but it interested me, interested me. It was also an important moment in human history. Does anybody remember or recall what happened uh, two weeks ago uh, this Sunday? It was the launching of the James Webb Telescope. The launching of the James Webb Telescope is one of the most ambitious and important projects of science in the last 50 years. It'll be equal to Hubble, probably, in terms of what it can see or perceive and tell us about the nature of the universe. One of the things that's so fascinating about this telescope is that they have to set it out, they have to send it. It's halfway there right now as we're talking. It had 300 different points that had to open up as this, it's kind of unfolded in these glass mirrors, and, and then, these, then it had to have these panels, very, very thin membranes, to keep it shielded from the sun. Because the instruments that look into the night sky, they're looking back into the ancient universe, or they're trying to see infrared light. Now, infrared light is, is the hardest light to see at that distance, at that, those kinds of ranges. But uh, in order to see it, it's, it's so dim, you, it needs to be that far away from Earth. It has to be at a Lagrange point, which is so many, many thousands of miles away from the Earth. And it sits in an orbit that it can be stationary in, called a Lagrange point. There's a number of them you know, around bodies that circle one another. They're called point stationary orbits. Anyway, we're sending the telescope. Now this telescope then, they hope, I think it's pretty exciting, we'll be able to see light as ancient as light gets, all the way back to the first stars. We haven't been able to see the first stars because they're so old and their light has stretched, like light stretches, and as light stretches, it turns red, infrared light. This is a journey through time. Essentially, what will happen is there's been debate even amongst uh, the elite scientists of this age whether the universe is 14.7 or 13.8 billion years old. There's a range depending on expansion rates and, and how we establish how big this universe is. But it's a puzzle. And I think it's worth finding out. But as I was thinking about it, I, I was thinking, as I've been kind of entranced, actually, it's kind of a, I, I'm kind of geeking out on it, really. It, there's a... There's a <laughs> And maybe if you're bored while I'm preaching, you can do this. There's actually a YouTube video 
that gives you an up-to-date, to-the-minute, what's going on with the James Webb Telescope. Right, you guys don't seem very excited. I think there's a parallel, though, between that magnificent and amazing device and this text. I mean, this whole text, this preamble to Ephesians is one sentence, as you remember. And the reason I call your attention to that in the Greek is because you ought to think of it as one thought. Now, it has many thoughts, right? Many dimensions, many, many ideas come up. But it is important to, to understand that the author, Paul, under the influence and, and filling of the Holy Spirit, produces a single sentence that has a single, in a sense, a single focus, single thing it wants to tell you about. And I think we'll see some of that synthesis that's in the mind of the author, some of the brilliance of his syntax right in the words. Look at verse 4, and you'll see the word before. Now, the James Webb telescope is staring back into time by looking at ancient light. Ah, but we, we, what are we doing with this telescope, this magnificent spiritual uh, uh, document here? Oh, we're looking back too. We're looking back too. And the word before, that's what captures me. Before time was a thing. Before time was time. Before the James Webb telescope would have anything to look at. God was doing something. Now look at, there's, a, there's, a, there's an intention, there's a flow to this single thought. Look at verse 10. Then we have the word fullness of time, or expression, fullness of time, that little phrase. Fullness of time. We have the word before being used as a time marker, before there was time. Then we, hit, we move forward to verse 10, and then there's God working in, in the fullness of time. Now look at verse 14. We find another time marker. It's the word until. Until. And as if, the, the, and this is part of the beauty of Paul's mind and thinking, and I think it's the beauty of the scriptures themselves, they are, they, they're intent to get to you, right? Until, until to this present point. They're, 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 they're meant to get relevant, right? And so we're taken in this wonderful transcendent of a set of verses, a single sentence and a single idea, were taken from before the beginning of space and time into the fullness of time itself and God's planning in Jesus Christ. Today, to this moment, you and I live where? In the until, right? It's the only place we can live. This until God comes until everything's finished, until everything's fixed, until everything's, everything's resolved, until God returns, you see. And so there's a, and this masterful, uh, this masterful uh, vision of, of this text, it, you, there's other ways we can divide it. You can do it Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another way you can do it. There's a progression in the text from Father, and then it discusses and describes this work of the Son, and then, uh, then tells us about the application of that work by the Spirit. Again, one of the reasons I take this time to, to un, unlock the syntax and, the, and some of the structures of, uh, of thinking is so that you know and you can trust that this is an intelligently, intelligently created document. This man, and I think this God, I think this Holy Spirit that he's talking about means to tell you something and means to communicate something very clear to you about the nature of all of this, where it begins, where it goes, and where it's been. 
And that is, that's how ambitious Paul is in this text, too, right? That's how big a scope he's trying to grapple. That's how big his arms are, or his brain is trying to get around all of these ideas. I'm hoping you'll go with me. There are three ways I want to unpack this in the verses, are three different ideas. First is for us to, to get along him, alongside our Father, and, and enjoy and live and thrive on a perspective that is utterly objective. A perspective that, in a sense, removes us from space and time, doesn't it? Before. God is saying, I have a place I live and work before. That's cool. I love that. And then I'm saying the second thing I want us to work and think about is, well, all right, this before language, what does fullness of time mean? I mean it, it, all right, this gets back to time. Yeah, you, those, I talked about the James Webb Telescope, and you can ask the best, the best minds of our age what, to define time, and they cannot do it. They can't do it. And, and, and you can try. I, I tried. I've tried. What is time? What is time itself? We know how to measure time. I know time is the elapse of minutes on the clock. But what is it itself? Okay, that's added another wrinkle. What is the fullness of that thing? What is the fullness of time? Is that something that we experience? Is that something we know? Is that something that can comfort us? I think it can. And then finally, this until. This until. What does that suggest? What does the idea of an until in God's mind mean when it comes to us? Well, this is persevering. And this is the teaching that God's going gonna to hold on to. He's going to hold on to Spencer when? How long? Until. Until he comes again. And so there's this beautiful comfort of perseverance. So these three points about time and God and time, and I, 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 I'm hoping we'll, we'll be encouraged by them and get down to some, some practical things we can experience about God's grace and his love. Let me begin with this, the macro, the macro, the big, the big perspective. You guys know I like this one. I, I love to talk, I love this idea that we are privileged. We are privileged as human beings. Do you know that? We are privileged to live in an age that God has revealed to this world how ancient and massive and magnificent the universe really is. And you know why that's so exciting? Because God is bigger still. That's what the bigness of the universe was meant to teach you. It was meant to give you a reference point, a scaling point, a point of reference by which you can now say, with your tiny little mind, Cedric, God's really big. <laughs> he's bigger than I thought. Oh, wait, let me, no, he's even bigger than I could imagine. And the scale of created things as revealed in this time and age through the James Webb Telescope and others, we ought to bless our Father for. Because it has been unlocked for us what the scale of his grace is must be. He declares it himself in Jeremiah. Oh, it's thrilling. So, he does the macro. What is the macro word here? What's the macro idea here? What I mean by macro is God is giving you a front row seat for his perspective on time, which is this. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. There's this idea that God has where he, he, everything that we have ever been and are is before him in time. He is eternal, remember? He is greater than time. There is no part of time that he is not eternally above it and in it. He is extraordinary. There's nothing like it. So he, 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 this is how he looks at time. 
he can, from beginning to end, not only does he see it, he has known it, not only has he known it, he has planned it, not only has he planned it, he has ordained it and worked in it and been in it. Been present. Even more than that, he decided that he would become, he would identify himself with it as an act of love. We're not even going to get there yet. This macro scale is meant, what is, what, why, why does God give this to us? Because we so, we so desperately need it. My, my, my scales, does anybody else get blinders like this in life? I, my scale, is some, my horizon is sometimes 20 minutes. Anybody else? Any, any, any takers? I mean, how, what's your horizon? A day? I mean, how many, we're so often functioning in these immediate crisis modes and, and fear modes and, and all these, and, and we're being blessed, and this is what this perspective is meant to do. It's God, in his majesty, and his splendor, and his vision of all time and its grandeur before him, sidling up next to Joyce and going, hey, isn't this a great picture of everything? Yes. That's a treasure for her. That's a treasure from that God who is making those things and doing those things. And that's why this is being presented to you. That's why it's in Paul's mind to preach it. That's why it's in our Father's mind to reveal it. What a comfort for his children to have his perspective on time. Uh, what does this do? Well, it gives everything. It puts everything in its place. It puts, you know, your fears about work or tomorrow, you know, fears about the, all of a sudden, like, oh, wait a second. What am I so worried for? I mean, it fears about, you know, what, what's going to happen in your future, with, 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 uh, you know, whether, whether what's, what, if there's somebody out there for you or some career or some job or some success or some hope for your family. Who knows? Who knows what you're chasing and loving and wanting? Oh, or what you're just worrying about in the middle of the night with fret. <sighs> before, there was a before. I changed. <laughs> oh, praise him. And so often, if I had any privilege as a, as a servant of God, it would, be, it would be to make God so real to you that you would praise him because you had no choice. <laughs> you're like, huh, Wow. Father, will you do that for my people? Do that for us? I'm sorry I don't have any CGI to shock you with. But it's the power of perspective, isn't it? It does something else, too. When a god, any god, how many gods do you know? When a god, say he sidles up next to Joyce, the way I was describing, and he say he shows her, this is my plan. This is who I've been the whole time. What is that? What is he, how is he treating her? You and me. How is, how is our father treating us in this text? He's treating us with an extraordinary dignity. He is, he's, you see, the boss, how often have you had a boss that doesn't share what he's doing? All of us have had bosses like that, right? Why don't they share with you what they're doing? Because they think you're stupid. Or they think you wouldn't, you, you know, it doesn't matter what you think. And I just love, we are all as arrogant people, always putting others down because they don't know what we know, or other people are looking for secret knowledge over others. That's just the way the world works. Don't you love a God who comes along and dignifies us and goes, I'm gonna, no, I'll let you in. Come on here. Let me show you. This is a wonderful act of love by him. It's tender. And you know why it's so tender? 
Because the one thing I hate about this world, the one thing I don't like about discovering the universe is 14 billion years old, and the one thing I don't like about the fact there's 8 billion people in the world, and the one thing I don't like about the vastness of the universe is that it makes me feel like nothing. It shrinks me to, to nothing. And I feel like media does this, I feel like my culture does it, I feel like the news does it, I feel like media, everything does it! Everything tells us we're nothing! You don't matter! What does it matter? You don't You hear it? I just hear it. I feel like it's, like it's a constant accusation. Why does it matter what you think? It makes me want to cry and run home until I run back to my father, right? Because what has my father got for me? He's got it all. No, you're not. You're not a nobody. You're my daughter, and I love you. I've been loving you for a long time. What a God. Who's Anybody expect a God was like this? Anybody prepared for a God like this? The wonders of a God like this? I'm not. You have a place and purpose in the grand story of redemption. So do I. And even though my heart may at times recriminate, my self-loathing may seem to reach a pitch that cannot be answered again, my Father can answer it. And praise, I praise Him. And I may be a vapor, but our God is the living God working in all of space and time to bring me home. Home to be with Him. Praise Him. Anybody want to praise Him with me? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's move on. Well, the macro's perspective is, is good. It's helpful. I want, to get a little, I want to get a little deeper. What is this fullness language? Now, I was thinking fullness. How do you describe fullness? Play Rama. It's this word for abundance. It's, it's overflow. It's, you know what it reminds me of? You know what abundance is? I was, I was, I was cleaning clothes today, and I, was, I reached into the dryer, and I took the entire dryer of clothes out, and I had a lot of socks. You ever try to do this, and, you're just, and you can't make it to the bedroom? You can't make it to wherever you've got to fold them? Because you just got socks. You just, and, and then how many of you spend actual time, like I do, trying to do it in one trip? You know what my mom used to say? She, she'd walk in the kitchen, she'd see something like that, and she'd go, that's a lazy man's load. And we're like, Because oh. you're trying to do it all at one time, right? Not, not, not make the two trips, and it's obvious you have to. That whole idea of trying to get your hand around a bundle of things that are full, that's fullness. That's just like, it's, this, it's abundance that you can't get your, uh, how do you get your hands around it? It's, it's bigness. It's, it's over superabundance. That's the, the kind of sort of language. And by the way, it's one of Paul's favorite, favorite superlatives. He constantly goes in there with this. Uh, it's one of his favorite habits uh, of expression. But fullness, there's two, words, there's two ways we can understand this. I think they're both groovy, and I think they both are wonderful, and I think they both give us life. And the first one is this. Fullness has the word full and fulfillment for us. And it works right into the scriptures too. There is a sense that what God is saying is that at the moment Christ comes, all these prophetic utterances, visions, remember how we were doing the, the Advent candle with all the lights and we're looking at all the theophanies and these appearings of Jesus and these promises, he's coming, he's coming. How unto us a child is born. Unto, we just celebrate all this, right? We're singing the songs and enjoying the carols. But... What we're doing there is we're, we're describing what that fullness is. It's a fulfillment of careful and repeated promise over and over again for you to see, for you to track. You can track it. You can trace it. 
all the way from Genesis 3.15 in the very, very first moments of our rejection and rebellion against God. He promises. He promises. Someone's going to come. And this is that fullness. This is that ripeness, you see. And so, and that's a part of what we should get excited about. The second, the second word for fullness, the second way you can pick fullness, though, is fullness. <laughs> like, like, packed in fullness. And I think the second way we should think of fullness of time is we should be hearing the words, I came to give you life. What kind of life, y'all? Eternal life. You know, it's funny, we tend to think of eternal life as duration. And when we think that, we, then we think heaven sounds boring. Because we imagine an endless duration of Sunday worship. And the worship, you know, who knows, it's, it's, it could ever be good enough to last more than two or three hours? Come on. We're all, I, and come on, if we're all human about it, we all know that the visions of heaven don't necessarily charm us. Because we don't understand them. Because we're not there yet. We don't, we're, not, we're not there yet here. Eternal life that God was promising, that Jesus is promising, is a new kind. It's where eternal things, eternal love is, where the commerce between me and Clay is an eternal love for each other. Praise Him. That's, that's what we're dealing here, guys. That's what we're trucking. That's what we're made by. That's what we're. Praise Him. Full, like, like, like biting into the richness of a peach where it all the juice splurts out. Fullness. That is also a part of the promise of God, right? Of that kind of richness. I want to participate in this, don't you? Let's talk about the first one. Uh, I think that one of, one of the, I never thought of this before until today. I, I turned to Tao, and I, I got up, and you know, my poor wife. I, I think anybody who's married to, any woman who's married to a preacher has already got it hard. And, and for me, it's ten times harder for her, but I think. Oh, come on, you all agree with me. Uh, you know me. I turned to her and I got all excited because I was like, I never thought about this before. Let me see where I wrote it down. Right there. I, I, I realized, I, I must have done it. We all have a promise story. Like, all right, so Jesus has a promise story, and we've looked at all the promises about Jesus, but you have a promise story too. Don't you know that? Don't you know when, I, when God said to Abraham, when God leaned to the, this is what I said, said to Tal. I said to my wife, and I said, you know, when God leaned into Abraham and said, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, he was talking about Vietnam and America and China. And I, I was like, it just hit, it just with visceral force, with visceral, that, that we are the product of promise. You and I have a promise story in the Bible where there were promises that we're the fulfillment of, and I think you should know what they are. <laughs> and if you don't know what they are, you should go find them out. There are promises because I'm Jewish. I go back and I'll read the Jewish promises. I'm like, you know what? That's for me right there. And it's been fulfilled because I know Jesus, the Messiah. Praise him. You see, it just gets better and better. But I think, and I get, I get to think about I have more promise stories. My mom, who died just a few years ago, my mom, my mom would pray for me in the night when I would go out partying. And she prayed for my call. She prayed over the years I'd be faithful. That's a promise kept, isn't it? That's a, pro that's a promise kept of my father. I'm a promise story. So are you. And I think you should try to find out what promises God has kept <laughs> in your life for you. 
because they're everywhere. I began to throw my heart to it so I could see it and have a heart of thankfulness and begin to see what? Fullness. Yeah, you're, you're, Corey is actually a product of fullness. I don't think anybody ever thought that before. Amen. Amen. What about that second fullness, the richness, the ripeness, the, the, the idea of a fullness that explodes with flavor in the mouth, the idea that, that, that we can know God that way? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I don't know. Um, pray for it. You know, it's easy to want to want to have experiences and stuff like that. I know that, but we're allowed to want those things. We're allowed to ask our Father to make His presence in our lives real and meaningful and powerful. We are allowed to ask that. So ask. If you feel like the Christianity is dull to you, and 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 the, and the idea of of excitement and joy about everything I'm talking about just rings flat, that you are in a place where you must be pleading to know the abundance of fullness of life. You do. You need a spiritual work. You need, you need a spiritual revitalization. That's okay. I've been there too. Because one of the things I love about this idea of, of eternal life and this idea of us, of us talking about our promise story is how much I want to, I, I think that this idea of the fullness of time attacks something. and attacks this idea that we, the way we fill our time. It makes you realize that, that wasting time is sin. Like, it's sinful. Like, that's a sinful thing. That's a, way, that's a way of acting wickedly in this world. Just to buy time, to waste time. Oh, I'm just filling the time. Who could say that about God's view of time? That's not the way God's thinking about this. That's not the way he's participating. It's not what fullness means or promises or hopes for. I want to answer to the frivolity and the, and the emptiness of my entertainments. Amen? Anybody experiencing any fullness in Xbox? Anybody? Anybody? PlayStation? Netflix? Then there's no fullness in time. But finally, let's get, into, let's get to the until. <laughs> the until. What a beautiful... Beautiful little word in verse 14. It really is, he, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And we acquire possession of it when we're in his presence, when we're in glory, when we have been transformed and transcended this world, and when he has come again. And it's just this idea that, this preserving love, this idea that the promise that's in until is so precious to me because the hardest part I find about being a pastor is Because the futility, the sense of failure, the sense of loss, the sense of inadequacy, it just swats you constantly. I just feel like it's hitting you. And I, and I hear words like until, and I go, wait, he's going to keep me until then. Well, forget that. I don't, it's okay. I'm your pastor, and I'm held together by Jesus until he comes again. That's who I am. Who are you? This until word is offering me hope. It's hope. I, this is the perseverance of the saints. This is this glorious teaching. It's all over the scriptures that what God began in the before befores, in the before there was time, that what he began in his choices before creation, he will always 
and without exception carry to the fullness of time until he comes. I love this God. And this, what this really is talking about is grace right now, tonight. Grace for me. From, and we talked about meta, and we're, now we're talking about the micro. This is like, this is work, he's working in the until right now in us. I, uh, there's some pain points here I, I, I think we should talk about. Um, and then we, well, first, let's talk about the blessings, uh, the, the things we somehow we don't. We don't understand, because I know God's schedule is frustrating. But well, let's begin with how frustrating God's schedule is. Why not? Because we're all, we're all in the same place. <sighs> this is an old chestnut. And what I mean by this is that, have you been sick that God has not shown up in your life at the time that you hoped he would? If you haven't, you don't know him. Because every single person in the Bible who's known him has complained about this, if they had a time to do it. Just read the Psalms. You know how often they say this phrase? How long? You know, you only say that if what? If you figure he's late. <laughs> you know, and he could be a little quicker. And if you haven't felt that God could be quicker, you're lying. I don't believe you. I just don't believe you. I don't believe if one of us living doesn't think God could have been quicker in our lives to answer our needs when they were present to us. It's funny, this kind of brings up a demanding spirit in us. It's interesting how it exposes it. Especially when God just keeps making you wait. Just wait. It's like you're, just, you're straining and you're just waiting. And you, just, and you strain against that? How many of you strain for years against God? So against like timing issues. And you're just no motion. You can't move forward. You're so frustrated. Maybe you thought this is what God wanted. Maybe you thought this is for sure what God would bless. Maybe you, we prayed so... And, and, The reason we know that the writers, the writers of the Bible experience this is they say things like this. It's really frustrating. God is not slow as some consider slowness. Remember, he says that in the scripture. It's like, it's like the writers are trying to tell you, don't, don't, don't think of God that way. Because you'll be tempted. And I think God does this very purposely. I think one of the reasons God makes us wait in his time is to expose a demanding heart. To expose a demanding heart. Because a demanding heart gets angry. Anger gets tiring. You can't stay angry forever, but you can stay bitter for a real long time. Bitterness is hard to maintain for at real high level for a long time too, because you can always fall back on what? Just plain old resentment. But I know Christians, and I've known so many believers over the years, and I've seen the tracks of my own heart. I've seen the ugliness of my soul, and I know where it goes next. It goes to cynicism. It goes to the hardness. It goes to the cocky smile and the professional attitude from the pulpit. And it goes for, oh, it does the whole church. We all get like It's so shameful. It's very shameful. But God does this to expose us. We have to have that demanding heart exposed. We have to repent of that sin. How? How do we repent of this sin? I think it's kind of beautiful. We just get up in God's business. Being our first point, that how long statement. Don't you know you're allowed to ask God to hurry? <laughs> Look, he's the king of kings. 
He created the world by the word of his mouth. He created and chose you. He chose you before there was a before. And this God in his splendor, what does he do? He loves to be bugged. Praise him. There's something God loves about an earnest heart, not a demanding heart, not a heart that says you must, but a heart that's like, well, where are you? Because we know that's a holy heart because it's the heart of almost every man and woman of God who has passion for him in the Bible. Read your scriptures. That's exactly what they're like. Where are you? Only if you really love and know him does that question even arise with passion and verb and a need. Where are you? How long? See, when that comes from a heart of faith, I think Jesus, I don't know. I mean, you know, Jesus loves his church, right? He loves the bride. Man, you want to attract, you want to attract the groom <laughs> as the church? Start saying things like that. Because he loves it. Because what I hear from his bride is a bride who wants to be with him. You see, it's a bride's like, when are you coming home, honey? Honey, you've been working till is it? That's, that's beautiful, right? Where are you? I hear from you. Oh, he wants a heart like this in him. And I think the fact that we're invited, the fact that we're invited into a throne room of grandeur to say, where have you been? I think that's wonderful. And I think it's an evidence of just how deep, how pure, how beautiful his grace is. Because he reaches out that tenderly and freely to us and invites us that much into our own, into his converse, into his business. Time is his business. It's what he does. It's what he organized. And he says, hey, all my true servants complain about my schedule. <laughs> I love that. All my true servants complain about my schedule. Because they live in expectation. That's this next part. I think one of the things that we can battle cynicism and bitterness and anger is learning how to wait. This is idea of waiting. So to wait in the Bible, especially in the Hebrew word, is wonderful. It's got this, like, it's, 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 it describes an action. We tend to think of waiting as kind of passive, aggressive. You know, like, our, like our version of waiting for God to answer is, well, I'm going to stop asking you because you haven't answered me. So it's there. You know, that's our idea of waiting on God is to get mad at him and tell him off. That's not the waiting of faith. Now, the waiting of faith, this is Psalm 27. Well, does he say, what does he say at the very end? He says, I know that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I, wait for the Lord. Wait. Be strong, great, but wait. You know, um, I just want to encourage you if you've been single, and you know, and and you've wanted to find a a a, a partner. Wait, <laughs> wait for what God brings. Wait for Him. Maybe you're just you're just anxious about the future and want to, and you really want to get in there and change. And you know, we all do this again and again. We try to make it happen for ourselves. Don't we? we try to make the things happen that we think God wants for us. Or we know that God wants for us even. And then we wind up making them ugly and stupid and messing them up. And I just hear this glorious call, this glorious wonder to, to God saying, hey, why don't, you, why don't you start trying just to lean in and just waiting more, wait more fully. And there's, a, there's, an, there's an idea in the, uh, the waiting in the Bible that's, that's so kinetic, <laughs> it's so visually physical and kinetic, it's like you just, like you're leading. That's the kind of waiting, like a waiting in that God's going to catch you. If, are you eagerly waiting and wondering and, 
and put it out there to see what's going to, what our Father would do. And it's a completely different place to be, isn't it? Than sitting back and wondering when, why he didn't show up. When you wanted him to. As you wanted him to. Look, you know, I, I, we, 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 do, we do have our, our challenges, our questions, our, our demands before God. He's inviting us into the question and into the waiting that expects his glory. Wait for it. Right now? Wait for it. Guys, I'm not kidding. <laughs> men, men in the past have been preaching about the grace of Jesus, waiting for the Spirit to fall, and it happened. I want to be a part of that. And if, he never, if, and if it doesn't come until glory, I don't care. But that's what I was waiting for anyway. That was what that until was going to bring me to. There's something beautiful about all this. I, um, oh, waiting. I had this idea that I was ending that one of the most interesting things I, I observe when you, when you really get into the there's lectures, wonderful lectures, by all sorts of prominent scientists on the James Webb Telescope. And, 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 and it happens, I've heard Matt Dell do it on PBS FaceTime. These guys will talk about how they wish that they would see the things that they're talking about are going to happen, like the things they know that are going to happen in the universe, or how they wish they could have. You know, like you hear the yearning that they know, they know in the end, and in their world, the way they think about the world, that they're a piece of mud who rose up by accident to look at the stars and he will return to the mud and it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. And dust has reached out to understand dust. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> if you hear the wonder in their voices, the joy, the excitement, the discovery, and you also hear them talk about how they wish they could see those things. You know what I was thinking about this? Talking about time and eternity. And all that. It made me realize, wait a second. All those wonders that they long to see, you and I will see with our own eyes. Ours, not another's. Just like Job said when I say, say he's a redeemer. And it occurred to me that, that all the hopes and dreams that are in the Hubble telescope and these telescopes, and these wonders to see, yeah, they're, they're, they're the real, they're, they're the, that's a believer's heart. That's a, that's a wonderful heart that wants to see that. And I think we'll, I think we'll hardly ever get done seeing all the wonders of the universe even that our Father will show us. We will see deep time. You and me. What's it going to be like? I'm looking forward to it. And I praise him for it. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your words. And thank you for your Bible. I thank you that you speak to us. And I thank you that before before there was anything in the world, you, you, you chose me, you chose us. Why? Well, your reasons are your own. I know you wish to glorify yourself by loving sinners. I, I know it. I, I see it. Thanks for that. Would you thunder in, Father? We, we, we need some fullness of time. <laughs> we, we are looking for some fullness of our time here on earth. And, and, and we shouldn't be ashamed to want that, should we? We want to taste you more deeply, more richly, more fully. To have you kind of exploding in our, in our hearts and lives with real, with real life. We're, I'm asking for that, Father. 
I'm asking you to choose that for us. You choose it because we've asked. Because we're wondering how long, how long do we have to wait for these kind of things? How long do we have to wait for you to be, to show up, to, to show up with power in our lives? How long do we have to wait for answers? And uh, I wish you'd hurry. A bunch of things. And I thank you that you have exposed my demanding heart again and again. And um, I think about Habakkuk. What, is he, what did Habakkuk do? He would, he would run out the walls to see how you'd answer. And we pray for hearts like that, Father. Hearts that are ready. Hearts that are waiting. Hearts that, hearts that want to taste. Drink deep who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen.